This is the Podfecta Podcast, the official podcast of the Podfecta Podcasting Conference. I'm David Hooper, and this episode is the Q&A from Jeff Sanders' presentation on podcasting sponsorships at Podfecta Nashville 2018. If you haven't heard that, that's available on this feed. You might want to check that out so these questions will make a little bit more sense to you. Here's Jeff Sanders. Questions. I would love to answer questions. I'm sure there are some. Yes. I was wondering about, uh, as this kind of obscure question maybe, um, but tax, how are you taxed on sponsorship money? You'll have to ask CPA about that one. Okay, so you don't deal with that at all? No idea. I send my stuff to a CPA to walk away. So well, that was my question. Sorry. Who's next? <laughs> what do you do if you end up with one of those bad sponsors? You sign up like a six-month sponsorship relationship, and you get to the end of it, and for any number of reasons, decide that you don't want to be associated with that company anymore. Do you go back and edit out six months' worth of episodes, or how do you handle that? I've never handled that before. That sounds terrible. <laughs> if it was like, if it was really extreme and I thought that I had to part ways completely with them because they're a horrible company and did a terrible thing, then I would go back and edit the shows. Um, but that's a really extreme case. I would only do that if it was like definitely needed. So that, I think that's a use sparingly kind of advice there. <laughs> Okay, well, first of all, I love your mention of dynamic ads because to answer your question, then you would just pull them all out and put new ones in. But for you, I have a couple of things. Um, So, sorry. (laughs) So when you're reporting back to sponsors after the agreement is over with to document numbers and exposure, what do you make sure you include? Because we've seen like a lot of times it's all about clicks, right? There's not much care about the opens on the email or like the exposure that they've gotten. It's really just all about the purchases. But to your point, a lot of times they mess up links, things don't go quite right. How do you go about coming to them at the end of the contract and showing them kind of what you've brought as far as value is concerned? It's a really good question because I think the answer to that is kind of like when someone buys a billboard ad on a highway. What they get from that is exposure. Like no one's going to click a link on a billboard where they're driving on the highway and so or call the phone number. Like I remember that. You know, it's, it, it doesn't happen. So generally speaking, the best thing that a sponsor will look for is overall exposure. Yes, clicks and sales for them are great, but an ideal sponsor understands already that they're buying exposure. And if they don't, you can explain that to them. And if they don't get it and don't like it and don't care, move on, I guess, find another sponsor. Uh, But ultimately, it's your job as the podcaster to communicate the value you bring to them as best as you can. And some people will care, some will listen, some won't. Uh, But if you can't give them examples, like you're buying a billboard on my show, and I hope that works for you, because it doesn't, this may not work out for you. Uh, the good news is with the technology, you can find other ways to engage listeners. You can get people on your email list and send them direct links. Like There's other ways to engage the advertiser in that sense, but ultimately they're buying a billboard. I'll have to tell them you said that. Okay. <laughs> and um, lastly, so like, there's a lot of other things that you can do besides audio, so like email, social media. What do you think is the biggest bang for your buck? Email. Um, for sure. Social media for me tends to tank pretty fast. Like if I post, I did this a few times. I posted a sponsor link and would get like the super low engagement or no engagement at all versus I'll send out an email about something like, let's say focus at will is a company I've worked with. Uh, they're not actually a sponsor of my show. They're just uh, an affiliate that I'm trying to convert into a sponsor. But I intentionally sent out an email recently and got people to sign up for their service that I'm now bringing back to them and saying, look at the engagement that I got from my email list. And these are podcast listeners that I have. 
Now, what do you think about being a sponsor? So that is kind of a, a logical loop around it to get somebody convinced that you're going to provide value in whatever way you can. Great. Thanks. You must be the man because uh, I hope so. You, you, <laughs> you, you mentioned earlier, and I believe it was your fourth point about getting great sponsors, and apparently they kicking doors down to find people to sponsor. Where are these people? Because, because, because we've been doing it for two and a half years, and that's why we're here. Because they're not kicking our door down. Where they at? So <laughs> it goes in seasons. I'll, I'll say that. Like I last fall, for example, I was getting pitched frequently for sponsors, and this spring has been a ghost town. So it goes in waves, and it's going to depend on your show, the, the exposure your show is getting, and how connected you are in getting the word out about what you're doing. If somebody is really interested in sponsoring a show and they know the target market for it. A lot of times they have a marketing person who just reaches out to every podcast they can find to get a good connection. Um, so you may be on their list. You may not be. Uh, but either way, ultimately, you have to own that and say, like, I'm going to pitch companies directly. Um, that's my kind of go-to is that I'm not waiting for those emails to show up. I have to go out and get them. Uh, so it's just being proactive in that sense. Um, so when looking for sponsors, do you, like, set a limit on how many you will work with at once? Or is it based on how much income you need to support the show? It's a great question. And, and that comes down to how like th- that, you know, one star review, they said my show was all ads. Uh, there were a few episodes I did around that time period where I had a pre-roll and then two one minute mid rolls. So the amount of time in the episode was maybe two and a half minutes out of a 45 minute episode. So in my view, it's a very tiny piece of the puzzle. Uh, but from their experience, it probably was being smacked in the face too many times. And so it, the answer is it depends on the, the amount of time is being spent on the ad, how baked in the ad is to your content, so how natural and organic it feels in that sense. Um, and also you can try a variety of different numbers of sponsors. So for the probably two years of my sponsors, I did two yeah, I had two sponsors per episode. And so it was two one-minute ad spots in, as a mid-roll. And then this year I added a third ad spot for one month as a trial to see if it affected download numbers or engagement. And the answer was it didn't affect anything. The numbers stayed the same. Nobody seemed to notice or care or they didn't mind it. And so to that degree, there is an opportunity to experiment with that, uh, bring in different amounts of ads, uh, have in different locations in your show, and then track the data and see what works and what doesn't because that will tell you the story right there. Um, So my question is about FTC compliance. I have to run a lot of Facebook ads for clients, and I've got to comply with their rules and regulations as well as FTC is, does that apply in the podcast world? Yes, but I'm also not a lawyer. So I love giving that answer. Like, I, I don't know. I'm not the expert there. I'm sorry. Well, I'm a content creator. Um, I was working on a rodeo, for instance. Um, you, you're not allowed on Facebook to run pre-roll ads. You're not, you're not allowed. They just have a lot of rules about things that you have to do with that sponsor or that client to remain compliant within that platform. So I'm assuming that podcast platforms also have rules Maybe it's not related to No, FTC, because but. you're not publishing on a specific platform. Um, your podcast is your own, so you can do whatever you want with it. Now, if you distribute it in different platforms, like, for example, Apple could come out with some policy about ads through iTunes. Uh, to my knowledge, there aren't any. Uh, but in that sense, like, your podcast ultimately is probably hosted on your own website and then distributed out through other companies. So unless those individual companies like Stitcher or Spreaker or iTunes, unless they have policies around it, it wouldn't affect you. You'd be able to do whatever you want in that sense. Sure. 
I don't want to hijack this, but we're going to have uh, Lucas from uh, the Jack Daniels podcast come up here for a panel a little bit later on. And he can probably talk about that because I don't even think they even let you listen to Jack Daniels unless you're 21 years old. I know being in the music industry, again, when we had cigarette companies, which I always refused, but one of the reasons that they loved us was because we are 21 and over events and they can't advertise to anybody less than that. So I think that your, your, your question is a good one, but at the same time, a lot of it has to do with who is bringing the ads in when it comes to any kind of FTC or any kind of uh, compliance. As far as the platform, he, he's 100% spot on. Continue. Who's next? Um, when you talk about creating your own URL, your own custom URL to send to, uh, to redirect to a, comp- or a sponsor's URL, um, what kind of service do you use to create that and then to like track the data to then show to the sponsor later? I have a WordPress site, so I use Pretty Links, the plugin, which works really well, but there's a billion of those, so just find a good one. Okay, and then all that, it shows all the analytics and, and that kind of thing? Uh, Pretty Links gives you really good data. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so my question is more along the lines of a new podcaster hasn't really committed yet to a category or anything. They have an idea, a concept. How important do you think it is um, when thinking about potential listeners to your podcast, they generally line up as either they want to be entertained or they want to learn something, right? And I would think as a sponsor, the the learners are the more engaged, hey, I'm ready to go, let's buy something, help my life. Um, How important is it to pick a good category in terms of future sponsorship? It's a really good question. Um, my show is definitely on the on the learner side of things. I have a self help podcast. I teach content every week, uh, so I know that that's the kinds of people I'm attracting. Um, I don't have a show that's just like, like a comedy podcast, for example. So I don't know how sponsors on their shows would work. I would love to hear someone else who has that experience because that'd be interesting to learn. Uh, but I do know that you're right to the point that. There are a certain type of listener who engages more than others, and so you want to find the kinds of people who are eager to listen to your show and want to hear advice from you because, I mean, I give advice all the time. It's just a free recommendation. Like I'll say, like, go download Pretty Links. Like, if I said that as a sponsored spot, people would still go download it uh, because they are they want to, they trust me and they want to learn from me and they're willing to do that. Uh, so that's about how you develop that with your audience. Just really quick. Just a different idea on this as far as sponsorship, and this can be for anybody, I guess, but have we ever had podcasters essentially sponsoring other podcasters? That's what an interview is, I think. I'm pretty sure. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, specifically as a sponsorship where it's an ongoing. I've like, never done that or had that, but I mean, I think the, the free way of doing that is just to get interviewed in other shows. So that's. Oh, they are. Oh, wow. So networks. Oh, yes. If, yeah, a, a podcast network would definitely do that because they're going to pitch their other shows in the network. So to that degree, yeah. I'm real curious. What was your first sponsor and what did that look like? It's a company that no longer exists. Uh, they're called, they were called Transpose and they had some sort of really weird task management system that was clunky and awful and did not last. How did, how did that happen? Like, with you deciding to do it, how that worked? It was a really ambitious CEO who pitched me to do it, and I was a first-time, you know, sponsor, you know, podcaster. So I was like, I'll take anything. Let's do this. Um, and so it was a big mistake. It did not – it lasted one episode, literally, and then it died. So what was, so. What was your second? Oh, second one was – I'm going to list up again. Um, oh, it was True Brain. Uh, True Brain does uh, nootropic supplements, um, and so they're a company that 
they did like four episodes on my show. Did they pitch you? you? I'm just curious how it, how it started. And they pitched me. This is a key thing too. What I saw right away was when I brought on sponsors, companies began to reach out to me quickly because they saw that I now had sponsors. So it's one of those cases where as soon as you have sponsors, even if they're fake sponsors, other real sponsors will then reach out to you. So you could totally do the fake route if you want to, um, and that's fine. And in fact, you could have an affiliate company that you say, like, like for example, like Focus at Will, you know, is the company I'm going to talk about for the next minute. Don't say the word sponsor, but just say like, this is an awesome company. And do like you would do an ad, and then you might get other real sponsors to pay you. So there's lots of ways to do this. You mentioned podcast analytics. How do you access that? Uh, that's a new, I don't know the exact link for that, but if you just Google Apple podcast analytics, you'll find the link right there. It's baked into your uh, iCloud account, and then you can sign up as a podcaster. However it is you submitted your show to iTunes, it's all attached through there. Okay. I'll answer your question is podcastconnect.com. There it is. Podcastconnect.com. Then just up at the top, it'd be like my analytics or something. That's where you want to go. Um, I got three questions, but they should be pretty quick. Uh, demographics, besides surveys, is there any way to kind of get that information? Not that I'm aware of. It's going to be difficult to get specific demographics unless there's a podcast hosting company that will give you more data on that. Um, I'm not totally sure. For the CPM rate, that $20, $30, is that for mid-rolls? And would you expect something different for pre- or post-rolls? Good question. And yeah, it's all negotiable. That That rate is pretty standard for a mid-roll. You could also adjust it based on the length of the ad. So a pre-roll is going to be shorter generally. So you could charge the same amount um, in terms of CPM rate, but just lower it because the amount of time is lower. And then and see what also converts best. Because if, if the pre-roll converts higher, you could charge a higher CPM rate also. Okay. Um, and then... You said to communicate often. What kind of information are you going to be communicating, or how, what would that look like? Well, that would be sharing that data. Like you could email your sponsor and just say, like, the last episode that went live, here's what I, engagement that I saw. Here's what I learned. Here was the feedback I got from that ad spot from my listeners. Um, whatever you can do to show that the ad is working uh, will engage them more. Um, we we're close to pulling the trigger on investing in ad insertion, um, which was a lot of money, it seemed like. Um, because a lot of our listens come from old episodes, and so we wanted to be able to monetize those. It seemed like a great idea. Then as we looked into it more, it seems like there's a lot more importance on doing live reads. Uh, do you do ad insertion with live reads and fake it? Is that good to try, or should you stick with one over the other? It's a good question. I have heard that the larger shows that do dynamic ad insertion prefer that over kind of the traditional model that I've been using for years. Um, it is more expensive to opt into it, and you're definitely going to lose the live read feel because it's going to be you know, I mean, played in every single episode of your show at the same time. Um, so to that degree, I think that's about kind of your skills as a podcaster and just sounding helpful and not sounding like a recording, which is your own skills on the mic in that sense. You mentioned step one is to make a good show. So I want to make sure everybody understands that is step one. And you talked about having an engaged audience. And I just want to point out, before you even started talking, we had a woo. (laughs) That's the kind of show you got to make is that before you even start talking, your audience is like, I love your show. So can you talk – you put out a show. What kind of engagement do you get once you put out an episode? Because I think that will help us understand the kind of reach you have on your audience. 
Well, I mean, engagement will vary depending on how your audience wants to reach out to you. One thing that I promote on my show frequently is my 5 a.m. club, which is my basically my email newsletter. And I get people to join that. I send them to a Facebook group. I get engagement through there. Um, I encourage them to email me. I, I give out my email address almost every week. And I tell them I respond in 24 hours or less, which I do. And you can go there. Jeff at jeffsanders.com. Email me, um, which is fine because that's... I want them to reach out to me and, and start that conversation. And so I'm looking for, you know, what problem are you experiencing? Tell me about it. Let's talk about it. And I'm constantly doing that type of, using that kind of language to say, like, I'm here to help you. I'm here to, to teach whatever I can. Um, and that has helped tremendously over the years, as opposed to just saying, you know, this is a monologue. Listen to me talk. I'm trying to get a dialogue started. Um, obviously, a podcast is a monologue by nature of it, but you're trying to get your audience in whatever way they can uh, to get back in contact with you. And I've found over time that that really has helped. And whenever I do email someone back, they freak out. It's like, oh my gosh, you have emailed me. I'm like, yeah, I'm just a guy, like whatever. Like it's not, to me, it's not a big deal, but to them, like I might look like a celebrity online, uh, which I understand is a real thing. And so I want to not lower the bar in that sense, but I want to bring myself uh, on their level and have a real conversation. And like that, that has worked really well over time. Awesome. Thank you guys. Jeff Sanders, the author of The Free Time Formula, also host of the 5 a.m. Miracle Podcast. For more information on Podfecta, if you're interested in organizing a Podfecta event or attending one, go to podfecta.com. If you've got questions, comments, you want to reach out to me directly, do it via my website. There's a form there where your message goes directly to me, and you can get that at bigpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Hope to see you at a Podfecta event soon.